The following Dharma talk was given for the Insight Meditation Community of Charlottesville, Virginia. Please visit our website at imeditation.org. Okay, um, a couple of people said they came just because of the title of the talk, which is, I had fun inventing that title, Mindfulness, Concentration, and the Monkeys of the Sacred Forest. Um, I'll tell you about the monkeys in a bit. Um, I, I wanted to follow, Ruth gave a wonderful talk last week about equanimity, and I wanted to follow on um, with, um, in a way, a, a very similar theme. Um, in our practice, you know, we regularly hear these wonderful instructions about presence and peace and mindfulness and concentration. We're invited to kind of to be here, be in the present moment. Um, and there's a sense that, you know, we certainly come to our meditation practice with a sense that there will be more, you know, ease, more peace, more uh, just settling. Um, when, when we sit on our own cushions, however, um, often what we find, um, especially if it's after mm, reading the morning headlines or, you know, having that difficult conversation at work or anticipating all those relatives that are going to come this weekend and spend the weekend or imagining what the rallies in Charlottesville will be like, you know, reading the headlines about that or thinking about what we, you know, what we should do, what our response might be. That often if we sit on our cushion after that, what we... Um, what we actually encounter is maybe not so much peace, not so much ease. We find our minds just kind of agitated and um, uh, uh, wandering uh, about, and um, uh, the monkeys are out. You know, Ajahn Chah. You've heard the the references from Ajahn Chah. He refers to that agitation, that activity in the mind as monkey mind, as you know the the images and the thoughts and the perceptions and the emotions and all that stuff that goes, you know, rattling through our minds when we, you know, if we made the mistake of reading the Washington Post and then sitting, um, <laughs> you know, that just all that stuff or we sit down and we have a few moments of calm and then all we can think of are those 47 things on our to-do list that we haven't to-do'd yet. Um, so, so that the monkeys are out. Another uh, image that Ajahn Chah uses, which I love, is he said uh, thoughts are like flocks of birds, and you know, sort of like you know, one bird moves, and you know, the whole flock goes with them. And we, we, you know, we notice that we sit on our cushion, and you know, it's like, okay, we're supposed to be here now, and there's supposed to be all this peace and all this ease and all the image, you know, all the ads they, you know, point to all this wonderful. Uh, uh, outcome of meditation, and we go, I, you're just, I'm a failure, you know? And um, when we're instructed to just let the birds go or let the monkeys go, um, each one of us may secretly believe that our teachers um, really don't know just quite how many monkeys we have, you know, or quite how many birds there are in our own minds, or quite how unmoored our minds are, and that our teachers really, you know, if, if only they knew that I personally am the worst meditator in the whole world, um, that I have more monkeys, I have more birds, they're less disciplined than anybody else's. 
And so we can get really discouraged. We can really um, have a sense of kind of despair about our own practice and about how, how things are going and what it is that we're supposed to be doing. Um, I'm going to be talking largely about our own practice, but it also applies when we're trying to navigate something as challenging as the daily headlines about these rallies that are coming up, you know, where there's all this stuff going on out there, just all this stuff. And, you know, we go here, and then we go there, and then we, we think, well, maybe this, well, maybe that. And so that there's this, like, how do we navigate when there's all this stuff, regardless of whether the stuff is internal, entirely internal, or whether it's external, where there's a lot of stuff going on out there. Um, and so this practice of ours is supposed to be helping with that, right? You know? And it's supposed to be helping in a way that doesn't lead us into despair about how totally incompetent we are. Um, so I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, and for starters, it's really crucial that we understand the difference between mind and mind. Um, that we understand what we mean by mindfulness and concentration, and it's very easy to misunderstand. Mind can mean quite different things, and so we need to understand how we're using that in order to understand how to navigate. In the teachings, sometimes the word mind refers to the contents of our minds, you know, to those thoughts and images and perceptions and emotions, to basically the monkeys and the birds that show up, that arise, fly around a bit, fly off wherever they go. Um, so sometimes when we use the term mind, we're, we're actually talking about the contents of our mind. Um, these thoughts and images and perceptions and feelings and emotions come and go with neither our bidding nor our control. They just come and go. Something triggers them, they come, they, have, they last for a while, they go. It's not our fault that we have monkeys and birds in our minds. You know, that, that, that this agitation comes up. Um, and they cannot be managed by, by making thoughts and emotions and perceptions and images the enemy. We could sometimes notice that uh, if we look really closely, we might have sort of a sense that really the way to navigate that clutter in our minds is some sort of monkey genocide, you know? <laughs> you know, that really what we're supposed to do is kill them off. Uh, or have a mind that is just sort of this pristine, empty, blank place uh, that doesn't have any monkeys and birds in it, that doesn't have any unpleasant or challenging or difficult or confusing or angry or greedy or deluded 
um, thoughts or images or perceptions or emotions or whatever it is that's arising in our mind. So that we could kind of, if we look carefully, we can kind of notice that sometimes really there's a sort of push, you know, a little violence that, that we have internally. You know, let's get rid of this stuff. Sharon doesn't have those, so what's wrong with me? You know, that let's kind of kill these guys off. And it's actually not possible. Um, um, so the reason you're not succeeding at that is that it's not possible to succeed at it. I'm going to qualify that a little bit because it's sort of possible. Okay. And the way that it's sort of possible is the way that when I play solitaire, my monkeys and birds calm down for a little bit. Actually, they don't come down for a little bit. I space out. So it's possible to use meditation that way, to kind of use meditation as a way of just kind of um, taking some drug or kind of spacing out uh, in a way that we're really, that's sort of similar to when I play solitaire, that we're just kind of spacing out. We're, we're just not aware of much of anything that's going on. So it's possible to use meditation that way. And some people, you know, I, sometimes people who look like they're really, really concentrated in meditation um, are actually um, hypnotizing themselves, you know, are actually spacing out. And then when... Um, things really get difficult, especially like sometimes um, for people when things really get difficult in the external world, when their relationships are challenging or there's some difficulty at work or, you know, some confusion about how to respond to world events, they don't know what to do other than spacing out. Okay. So, you know, you can use meditation that way, but that's really not what we're teaching. And it has its limitations because sooner or later something happens that you can't space out with or your capacity to space out, you know, wears out. And then you're sort of stuck with whatever it is that's arising, whether it's internally or externally. Um, sometimes people can really space out certain qualities of emotion. I don't have hatred. I don't get frightened. And if we look closely, sometimes what we see is that they engage in the world in such a way that they're surrounded by angry people, you know, so that the hatred all gets kind of projected outward and or invited there, but that they don't know what to deal with it other than spacing out. Um, so just to, to know that, well, it's possible to use meditation that way. But that's not what our teachers are teaching us and not what we're proposing, not how we propose to use the meditation. Um, we can't make our minds peaceful by criticizing our minds any more than we can make our minds peaceful by criticizing monkeys or birds. I had a bird on my deck who was screaming at my cat, you know, 
because she had little babies in her nest and, she, and a planter on my, on my deck and just was screaming at my cat. It was really kind of annoying. She would go on for hours. I was afraid her little heart was gonna break because she was just so agitated. But there wasn't any, I mean, I'm not gonna get her to stop doing that by criticizing her. You know, she was doing what bird, what mother birds do. So it's not about making the world safe from monkeys. That's not what we're doing when we're meditating. Um, monkeys are monkeys, birds are birds. They're not the enemy, even when they arise in our own minds. When monkeys and birds and thoughts and images and perceptions and feelings and emotions rustle through our minds unconsciously and without any direction or, or any, any ability to navigate them, that's where we get in trouble. That we need to kind of have a sense of how do we navigate these energies internally and externally, not how do we get rid of them? Another whole talk actually will be, I hope at some point, about the ways that we try to get rid of the external energies. The way to deal with white nationalists is to shut them up. And I'll propose that's actually not really ultimately gonna work. We do have to be skillful with them. We do have to notice when, when the behaviors and the words are horribly unskillful um, but, um, but genocide really isn't the answer. Um, so when there's no guidance or wisdom about the external expressions uh, of monkeys and birds, the contents of our mind, that's where we get in trouble and it can get pretty messy. So um, imagining that our meditation practice is cultivating a mind in which there are no monkeys is just not true. Meditation invites us into awareness. This is the different meaning of the word mind. I said understanding the difference between mind and mind. Um, meditation invites us into awareness, into the capacity to step back and be aware of what's happening. So that we can be skillful with it. So that we can choose wholesome responses. So that when difficult things happen, we're not swept away by them, whether it's internally or externally. Um, another metaphor that, that um, often occurs, I think the Buddha used it and Ajahn Lee uses it, is about this, uh, you know, building a bridge across a, a rushing stream. And the metaphor is that the one, the, the pillars that are on this shore really are the pillars of sila or morality. You know, the practice that we have of, of wholesome behavior. The pillars that are on the, this shore are the pillars of wisdom, understanding how things work. Um, sometimes that is, ultimately, that is through our experience in meditation, but it also can be through our reading. And, you know, th it's what we do when we read and we listen to Dharma talks. It's like, okay, how does this work? 
Yeah? So those are, the, those are the opposite shore pillars for this bridge. But the one that's the hardest to establish is the one in the middle because, because it's the one that's in the middle of the, um, the rushing water. You know, to kind of establish a pillar that's deep and settled and sturdy, those are the pillars of mindfulness and concentration. That we can see what's happening. I was going to use the image of the Oregon Inlet Bridge. I have actually, I was just down there and I saw them. It's like, that is so cool. These guys are building this huge, big, sturdy, solid bridge. Well, oops. Um, the image, you know, with there. <laughs> but anyway, but th that's what they're doing. They're trying to put these pillars into the ground in such a way that 110-mile winds don't disturb them, you know, that they will stand in the midst of the storms. So the other meaning of mind is cultivating a capacity in awareness to be able to withstand all of the storms internally and externally that arise and that we can still have a capacity to see what's happening, to investigate it, to see where suffering is, to see where the cause of suffering is, and to see how we can release that in a wholesome way. So our practice is really, it's, it's about all three. It's about sila and morality. It's about wisdom. And it's about cultivating the steadiness, if you will, and the sturdiness of mind that allows us to withstand uh, whatever the storms are that arise. Which brings me to the monkeys. I have a monkey story. I have a personal monkey story um, that I went and that I thought, well, that, it's a nice, it's a, it's a metaphor. Like all metaphors, it kind of collapses after a while. But it's a kind of nice metaphor, I thought. Um, and um, it's a metaphor from my travels in Bali. Uh, many of you know that I, um, spend, I've been going to Bali now for about 20 years and um, uh, pretty much stay in roughly the same place each year. And um, uh, over the past uh, five or six years, we've stayed in a place that is about five minutes away from the sacred monkey forest. Um, and a lot of villages uh, in Bali have sacred forests. Um, they have their places where um, a lot of sacred rituals happen, and there are places where they um, usually have a temple. In this one, there's a really beautiful temple. Um, the forest itself is about the size of, of um, maybe half of Mac all of, of it's about the west part of McIntyre Park, the park that we usually use. The, so it's about that big. Um, has just incredible old trees and hanging vines and mosses and beautiful old statues and um, uh, just incredible light. It's really a, a kind of magical, kind of magical place. Um, it's about 31 acres, so it's a, it's a good size. And, you know, you can walk through the monkey forest and it's, it's just absolutely beautiful, just peaceful and lovely. Um, and in the monkey forest live about 600 monkeys. Uh, wild, macaque, 
young, medium, old monkeys in about five different troops, some of which sometimes fight with each other over territory or food or whatever. So if you go into this incredibly sacred and beautiful monkey forest, it is absolutely inevitable that you will encounter monkeys. Um, lots and lots of monkeys. You won't see one monkey off in a distance. You will see, um, if you handle it badly, you will see a monkey in your lap or on your head. Seriously, you know, absolutely. I have a picture of a monkey. I have two pictures. Uh, well, I have many pictures of monkeys, but I have one picture of a monkey literally eating the buttons off of my husband's shirt and another one sitting upon his head with its hand in his eye. Um, so, you know, it is inevitable that you will encounter many many, many, many of the 600 monkeys. It's actually one of the attractions that draw tourists to the monkey forest. In addition to it being a sacred place, mostly they come to see the monkeys. Um, it's also the case that the monkeys, they don't know about the gate at the edge of the forest, and so they often will be in the street um, outside the monkey forest, um, especially early in the morning when I go for my walk. Um, so it's quite, uh, so if I go for my walk in that particular direction, um, it is also inevitable that I will encounter wild monkeys um, on the street and in the sidewalk and in my path as I, as I walk along. Now for the unsuspecting tourist, um, which I was many, many, many years ago, um, outside of the monkey forest there are vendors who sell bananas. It's not a good idea to take bananas into the monkey forest. Um, it's not a good idea to take even a water bottle into the monkey forest. The monkeys are very aggressive. And if you take bananas in, and you have this beautiful image of feeding tenderly the monkeys your bananas, it will, you will soon be disabused of that because the monkeys will come shrieking upon you in large gangs and they will rip the monkeys from your uh, bag or your, your arms or whatever uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, take the monkeys off to fight, or take the bananas off to fight with one another. So the, the, in the monkey forest, and as I go for my morning walk, it's important to understand about monkeys. It's important to not have deluded ideas about bananas uh, or romantic images about how things might work. You have to understand the nature of monkeys uh, so that I know when I go out for my walk to be attentive to where the monkeys are, whether or not they are in my path, how old they are, that matters, and how I respond to them, which is to say to, you know, not respond in a way that would um, uh, make them think I was being aggressive. I'm very careful about how I walk uh, next to the monkey forest. Uh, I'm very careful, last time I was a little rude because I laughed at the vendor who offered me bananas. I said. <laughs> No, 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 I'm not going into the monkey forest carrying bananas. Um, 
you know, so that it, the monkeys are just there. The monkeys in our minds are just there. Um, the monkeys in the world are just there. The difficulties in, you know, summer rallies are there. They're difficult. They can be quite dangerous. Uh, actually, in the monkey forest, they, have, they hire uh, security guards whose job it is to protect the tourists from the monkeys. Uh, and with the monkey, you know, if somebody comes in inadvertently with food, that, you know, they have people who, whose job it is to try to, you know, protect the tourists from the monkeys. So our meditation practice is like that. You know, can we have a way of practicing with these difficulties, internally or externally, such that we're not moved about by them. We're not foolish about them. We're not kind of carried away. We're not running after them. We're not, you know, we're not being unskillful in our responses to them, but that we have the capacity, like if I switch metaphors, um, we have the capacity like that bridge to, to have a steadiness of mind, to have a steadiness of concentration that enables us to see clearly what's happening and to um, choose wisely how to respond. So practicing with monkeys, whether they're internally, internal or external, involves being clear about where we are wanting to go and why. Being clear about the goal of our meditation practice. Assessing our own energies in the moment. Sometimes I might choose to walk a different way and not go anywhere near the monkeys. I don't want to have to deal with them. Staying committed to our goal regardless of how cute the monkeys are. And that's true, isn't it, for our, for our mind states. Sometimes we have very cute mind states, very appealing, uh, or very cute ideas, very appealing ideas that we feel very drawn to. So staying committed to our goal regardless of how cute the monkeys are Recognizing the dangers of engaging too closely, especially with certain kinds of monkeys. You know, recognizing that indulging, say, hatred or fear might not be all that wholesome, which isn't to say we don't have it or we don't notice it or we don't have skillful means, but we might not want to indulge it. Um, not being foolish enough to buy bananas to feed them. Uh, you know, feeding certain mind states um, that can really be unwholesome. You know, that person that we're angry at and we kind of want to feed, it, feed our mind states bananas. My metaphors are straining here a little bit, but you get the idea. You know, where, you know, we just want to rehearse how angry we are. Uh, and staying calm if the monkeys approach or eat your buttons. So really kind of, you know, just being able to kind of relax and see, okay, th this has kind of got me right now, but I don't have to melt, you know, have a meltdown or um, uh, kill the monkey. 
So, the, so that brings us to the meaning of mind as in mindfulness. And in English, it's quite confusing because I even looked it up in the dictionary. And, and in the dictionary where it gave the definitions, it gave the two opposite definitions of mind. Uh, you know, one had to do more with awareness and one had to do more with the contents of the mind. So we really need to know when we're listening, when we're reading, what is it that people are referring to? Um, because it, it really makes a big difference in terms of how we respond. Um, so wise concentration um, is not about monkey genocide or about sequestering ourselves so that um, we, we're never aware of monkeys our own or others, but it's about being able to have a stable mind and heart no matter what happens. Um, peace and freedom to choose wise and wholesome action in the midst of all of the worldly whims. Ruth King began and ended her talk last week, um, a talk that actually had a similar theme with a, um, with a song. And we've been talking lately a lot about chanting. So I thought I would end um, with a chant again this week. And I'd like you to think, as you listen to it, I'd like you to consider that it is referring both to what's external and what's internal, to this quality of mindfulness, seeing it, and concentration, the stability of mind that enables us to be with everything without necessarily you know, following the birds off when, when, it, when it arises, okay? So it's with that in mind. Let's see if we can do this.
I'll post the link for that along with the <laughs> along with the talk. So um, enjoy. <laughs> 